You are listening to Friends of Europe's podcast. Don't miss our debates on global and European issues that span political, economic, social and environmental challenges and follow our website at friendsofeurope.org. So welcome back, everyone. May I ask you all to take your seats? And gentlemen, if you want to take off your jackets and your ties, please don't hesitate to do so. It really is warm in here. Same goes for ladies if they're wearing jackets. <laughs> Fine. Thank you very much. Are we shutting the doors? So we had a fascinating conversation uh, just now about what are the key sort of uh, priorities and concerns of civil society, and we had Mo Ibrahim explaining many, many, uh, I think, interesting ideas to us. We're moving now into a debate that is actually about the creative assets of Africa. You know, often when we talk of Africa's uh, potential natural resources comes to mind, and we talk about oil and gas and diamonds and uh, cobalt and copper, and, uh, you know, uh, all the natural resources. I didn't want to talk, we don't want to talk about that today. We're talking about the creative industries, the creative assets. We're talking about digital Africa, innovating Africa. Topics, topics that we don't actually hear about or talk about much in European capitals. Um, so digital Africa is a reality, innovating Africa is a reality, and we brought pioneers from these sectors. We're really, really privileged and delighted to have the pioneers from these sectors here. We've got the digital sector, innovation, and we've got Miss Geek Africa. Uh, we'll, she'll talk to us a little bit about her challenges. We've got the fashion industry, and we've also got the International Trade Center. So let me introduce everyone by name. So Pauline Mujawa Maria Kolbel, Managing Director, African Innovation Foundation, and Program Director of the Innovation Prize for Africa, uh, based in Zurich, but traveling between Zurich and South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, great to have you here, Pauline. We also have the privilege of having with us Jean-Philibert Nesengimana. He is now Special Advisor to the Executive Director of Smart Africa, uh, and a former Minister of Youth and ICT of Rwanda, closely engaged and involved in the Smart Africa initiative that we will talk about. And we have Miss Geek Africa for 2018, uh, the wonderful Latifa Salisu Hassan. She's going to tell us a little bit about the prize she's won. It's about brilliance over beauty, but you combine the two, so welcome. Uh, also talking about fashion and African uh, fashion, especially Sindiso Humalo, designer and founder of Sindiso Humalo Fashion. Uh, and she's based in London and Cape Town. And last but not least, uh, my colleague and friend Arantxa Gonzalez, Executive Director of International Trade Center, closely involved in ethical fashion initiatives uh, across the continent and wearing a wonderful uh, jacket that probably also comes from this ethical fashion initiative. So thank you indeed, everyone, for being here. Pauline, I'm going to kick off with you. And, you know, the focus is very much on inclusive growth, inclusive development. What is the role that a center like yours playing in terms of innovation, inclusive innovation, beyond digital perhaps, and what is Africa doing in that, in that sense? Thank you very much. Um, hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I work for the African Innovation Foundation, which is an, like, initiative that is about catalyzing innovation across Africa to increase the prosperity of Africans. So the way we do it, we have Innovation Prize for Africa as a pipeline for us to see what kind of solutions the Africans themselves are proposing, are creating, 
And how can we help them get those products and services to the market and help them scale? Our take is that, um, and it, I think it's known by everyone else, no country has ever developed without investing in its own people, in, in innovation. So Africa cannot be different. So we have uh, now to date um, run this competition, Innovation Prize for Africa, for the last seven years. The, the prize is quite big, it's the biggest uh, prize for African innovators who have solutions are proposing to address the pressing African challenges. The first prize is 100,000 US dollars, and the second is 25,000 US dollars, and then there's a special prize that is focusing on innovation with the highest social impact. And then each one of the remaining seven nominees get 5,000 US dollars. But what we have done over the last years is also to see that uh, innovation does not happen in a vacuum. We need to create ecosystems where actually we can accompany those innovators along the value chain. So the innovators that will have won our price, some of them came up with solutions like uh, alternative to antibiotics for livestock to actually you know, innovation that are addressing um, the financial inclusion um, where the small-scale farmers are not able to access, you know, funding. So, so it's all about how do we unleash the potential for Africans from the design creative to also learning from countries like Rwanda where the, the leadership has played a role to actually unleash innovation by Africans for Africa and the potential for the world, because Africans also are ready to contribute to the rest of the world. And the last I want to say, this is a popular say that when it works in Africa, it works everywhere. So if we benchmark our solutions back in Africa, you could adopt them here. They're probably gonna work easy. The reverse is, is kind of hard. So that's what we're trying to champion at, at the foundation. Thank so Pauline, how, how do you choose or select this, the, the, the sectors where you think the inno innovation is necessary? Is it based on the African Union development plans? Is it based on your own sort of uh, research? How do you select? Actually, when we launched the competition in 2011, it was endorsed by African Union, and they passed a resolution calling all member states to work with our foundation to unleash the potential of homegrown innovations. So, and they also, together, we define five, five key sectors. So it's agriculture, ICT that speaks to the you know, digitalization, it's manufacturing service industry, environment, energy, and water, and manufacturing and service in the industry. So those are the key sectors where African leaders and also innovation influencers, they believe if we can actually target solutions by Africans that were designed in having in mind the, the reality on the ground, the environment, the culture, to help them scale, that actually we can eradicate many of the issues that are being um, discussed among the development circles. So it's about how do you unleash this talent so that um, the proven innovations, product, services can be benchmarked, uh, taken to the market, and let's scale beyond Africa. So that's what we're championing. Right. And, and one quick follow-up question. So are you dealing with current challenges, or are you looking at a future landscape and you see upcoming challenges, right? Are you sort of working on today, or are you really innovating for tomorrow? So. Uh, it's not against not me, the, the, the not innovators you. that we have worked with, they're actually yeah, doing you both. Encourage. They're doing both. They're realizing that there's still so many challenges in, that Africans have to solve. 
to be able to actually to refog, you know, in some area. But by doing so, sometimes they also realize that what they have built help them understand what the future is for what Africa needs. So right now, the innovators we work with are not just saying, okay, let's, you know, you know survive today. They're saying we want to address the problem, make sure it does not come back, but at the same time, look ahead and see what the potential, what Africa, how can Africa compete exactly. in a way that, uh, you know, on the global market? How can the product be, you know, competitive so you don't buy them because you're feeling sorry that you want to help Africa? Actually, you buy them because... It's a good bet. It's a good business. Right. Okay. I'm sure there'll be follow-up questions for you, and I'm looking forward to that. But let me turn now to Jean Philibert. So, uh, Jean, a Smart Africa is an initiative that I think many of us have heard about, and you've been involved in it from its inception, right? What got you started? What got your government started? And how is the private sector involved in this? Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everyone. Let me first set a bit of uh, uh, a context. We all know that by the end of this century, 40% of the world population will be living in Africa. And by just 2035, uh, 17 years from now, Africa will have the world's largest um, workforce. It means that um, there will be more Africans hitting the job market every year than the rest of the world combined. And uh, we know that to realize that demographic dividend, a lot of work needs to be done. We need to put in place uh, education systems, infrastructure, healthcare, food security, uh, trade and finance systems, and of course, governance systems that are future-proof. So it is in this context that the African heads of state back in 2013 realized that ICT provided an opportunity to actually accelerate the socioeconomic transformation that Africa needed. From seven countries in 2013, today we are 24 countries, more than 600 million combined population under those countries. And uh, to your questions, dozens of private sector, uh, academia, and international organizations that have joined that vision. So, um, I think the recent movie, you know, Wakanda, Black Panther, got everyone really thinking about what is the, re the, the, the real magic ingredients that uh, Africa has. And I believe it is a combination of factors. It's just not one thing. I see uh, the youth as being a, a, a major ingredient to that. I see technology, you know, internet connectivity, fourth industrial revolution, Internet of Things, uh, blockchain, and other technologies coming. But also, to bring all that together, we need partnership and, and leadership. So that is what Africa, uh, Smart Africa brings on board. Uh, we've got uh, uh, flagship projects in different areas. We've got smart cities. We've got smart communities. We are investing a lot in training uh, the young generation and, and one thing that is very close to the heart of Arancha is empowering young girls. So we started back in Rwanda 2013, a Miss Geek competition to identify the most brilliant young girls and to empower them. And by 2015, it had become a Pan-African competition. And I'm very, very happy to be sharing this panel with Latifa, who's Miss Geek Africa 2018. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I will now turn to Hasina, and I'm sure there will be questions for you about where the funding is coming from, but let's leave that for uh, the second round. So, uh, Hasina, Latifa, uh, I wanted to ask you about what made you go into the sector, what are the challenges you faced, and what are the sense of achievement that you have uh, felt so far? Hello. Uh, my name is Latifa. Uh, I'm sorry I don't speak English very well. Um, uh, I'm studying the computer science and the computer software. Um, I'm Miss Geek Africa 2018. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, now I am CEO of uh, my, com my company, Innovation and She, in French, Innovel. Uh, I am. My challenge for me uh, is the. Favorisé, um, uh, okay. Say it in French. Huh? Say it in French. Okay. Uh, I, I can. No, 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 no. Just now. What the? The defeat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the create uh, to the ecosystem. Yeah. Ecosystem of the girls because uh, in Africa the. Uh, there, are, uh, uh, not, uh, there are many girls, no, there are um, yeah, few girls to interest in to the ICT. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. To the interest to ICT. Uh, for example, in my, in my class, in my, yeah, in my class uh, of school, uh, in the, uh, we are, we are um, current. 40? Yeah, you are 40, and there are five, five girls in the, in the my class. You see, uh, the girls not interested in the ICT. Or when the girls interested in the ICT, she, she can enough. Uh, she can enough, and she can create the beautiful, uh, yeah, the beautiful solution. Um, example, I'm in the 200 candidature. Yeah, 200 uh, candidates. Yeah, yeah 200. 200 candidates. I am um, in my country. Uh, I, I participate to the competition. There are 200 candidates. I have the first, first uh, to this competition. Uh, there are uh, 70% des hommes. Il y avait 70% des hommes. I am the first. Uh, uh, second? Huh? 70% of the men. I have the first in the competition. Uh, you see, when the girl interested, she can she can uh, create a beautiful or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I speak. So, uh, Latifa, what is this app, this special app that you've developed? Uh, I am developed the application uh, the. Uh, uh, who can help the emergency, emergency, uh, yeah. pe emergency in companies yeah. 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 Um, for reduce, reduce the time to intervention. Uh, because in my country, when there are um, accidents and uh, fire, uh, the, the emergency uh, puts the every time <laughs> met takes a long time, yeah, uh, uh, a long time uh, f uh, for intervention. Donc, I'm create the application who can reduce uh, the, the the time of uh, the emergency for 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 help people. <laughs> 
and uh, a lot of uh, Right. So if there is an emergency, you can use the app for quick, quick intervention. Is that what got you the prize? So uh, can I ask you, Jean Philibert, is that the reason she got the prize? Was it the app? Yeah, absolutely. It was the app. And uh, the way this uh, Miss Geek is uh, organized, uh, the, uh, we, we, we run it into different countries and we take the first in each country. So in Kigali, we had the uh, top 10 fin finalists from, from 10 countries and she competed against everyone else uh, and she emerged the first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So do you see yourself, uh, Latifa, uh, as a model for other girls, a model for les autres, pour uh, inspirer d'autres femmes, the jeunes femmes? Do you see yourself? Exactly, exactly, uh, because uh, I say, uh, at travers mon image, film uh, my, my, my picture. Yeah, yeah, so my, see my you, picture. yeah. The, the, girl, the girl can inspire, and she say, why, why not me? Yeah. Why not me when uh, she... Je suis arrivée, uh, yeah, so um, you're a model and an inspiration yeah, for other yeah, girls. Yeah, she can unseat the girls for the... <laughs> right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. I do apologize. We do not have translation, <laughs> so we cannot yeah. switch to French, but I'm I've sorry. tried my best. No, don't be sorry. You've done a great job, and you've explained something that really needs to be heard here uh, and everywhere else in the world as well. So I'm going to turn now to Sindiso. And I talked about creative industries, and we've talked about uh, digital innovation, Miss Geek, and I want to talk a little bit about fashion. And you're involved in this industry, and I was just wondering how much of a challenge is it to present and talk about African fashion in a world where there is a lot of competition in, in, in the sector. Yeah. Well, um, can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a huge challenge. I, I run a luxury fashion label that focuses on empowering women through my supply chain. Um, and I'm based in London and in Cape Town, and my work is manufactured in Cape Town and small communities there. And uh, it's a huge challenge. I want to give a statistic, because I think that always makes things more realistic. Um, everyone knows Net-A-Porter. They're one of the biggest luxury online companies in Europe. They have a turnover of 1.8 billion in 2016. Of the 350 designers on their books, only one is African, mm. and they're based in London. They're called Do he's called Doru Oloru. But that gives you an idea that we are just not participants within the global creative economy. We're not involved, we're not participating. And I think the reasons for it is, um, you know, it's not a lack of talent, it's not a lack of creativity, but it's a combination of, number one, visibility. You have to be at the right trade shows, um, have the right introductions being made to you. The second thing is access to VC funding. I think the thing about African entrepreneurs is we really struggle taking our, scaling up our businesses um, with VC funding. And I think there's been conversation about, you know, you've got to go through a government. You don't have to go through a government. There could be just a competition or a, you know, a fund that you could access through. Um, there's the LVMH fund, which does exactly that, supports emerging talent in Europe. So there's, you don't have to go through governments in order to access funding. And I think that's something that people need to think about because our business is not going to be able to scale up to be competitive So what globally. did you do? What did you do for the funding then? What did I do? Well, I'm, I'm still friends and family funded. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, very much still looking for VC funding because I think that's one of the biggest ways that you can 
move up and become commercially viable. Um, and then finally, I think from a skills development point of view, um, you know, once you get that big order from a Net-a-Porter or a Barney's, you need to be able to produce a product that is on the same level right. as a Gucci, a Dior, whoever. And so we need proper skills development, investment into skills development from an African point of view if we want to manufacture in Africa. So the entire supply chain really needs a lot of focus and development and money, really. Um, and to finish off, I just wanted to talk about a recent project that I was involved in. Um, so IKEA um, selected 10 African designers to uh, produce a bespoke collection for them. And it was spearheaded by this company called The Design and Dabo, who do this, they create this visibility for African designers. And anyways, 10 of us um, partnered up with this major global brand and produced, have produced a, a collection that's gonna be in all, I think it's 200 stores next year. And it wasn't a marketing ploy, it wasn't, it was basically a clear kind of economic development project by a private entity. And that's why I just think, you know, these things are possible. Like IKEA's kind of changed 10 of us and you know, we've now, we now, IKEA is one of my clients and that's something that I think um, can only happen with the right kind of like funding and the right kind of like introductions. But I, I do want to sort of end off by saying that um, the model with IKEA um, show, should be one to really other European brands that African creatives um, can be collaborated with in a meaningful and powerful mm -hmm. way and that we are open for business. Mm -hmm. So just a quick follow-up. So we talked earlier about jobs, and I was just wondering how much the fashion industry, uh, through its uh, supply chains, creates jobs? Well, in South Africa, hugely. So we've, we've seen a lot of, with, with, uh, with um, the introduction of, uh, what do you call it, not introduction, well, in, in the noughties when there's a lot of um, textiles coming in from right. China, then there were lots of jobs lost, lots of factories lost, but there's a real emergence now, and it's a real focus of our South African government right. to really push the um, manufacturing industry from a sewing. So fashion is huge in terms of like providing jobs because it's the textile, it's the garment, it's the entire supply chain. So it, it really, you know, the one garment that you make can really empower many, many communities within South Africa. And like we've spoken earlier, you know, 100 euros is a lot of rands, you know, like the, the relationship between the two countries. And so if we are able to be global players with our brands, we can make a lot of difference within our local context. So you have a, you have a, a consumer market inside uh, the, the uh, Africa as well, and you're exploring... Yes, well, my main, my main clients are in, are in Italy at the moment, and I participate in Milan Fashion Week. But even then, then that came from uh, the generosity of the Milan the Italian Fashion Council, who have supported me with two seasons um, showing there. But again, these are all things, visibility is the biggest thing in order to even get into those places, because you're just, no one will pay attention to you if they don't see you and they've not seen Good. you at something. Yeah. And it needs to be long-term, because I think the other problem is you have these little short projects that happen for about, I don't know, like one season. And that means nothing, because actually, you know, that client wants to see you over and over again for at least two years. So they need to be long-term sustainable projects. Right. So that, Arancha, that sort of brings us nicely to you and your expertise, and you travel across Africa, you're meeting women entrepreneurs. I see a lot of photos of you with women entrepreneurs. I mean, the challenges that we've heard about now, how are they being overcome? How are you tackling them? What can we do? What can all of us do together? 
So let me first, uh, I want to make three points in answer to your question. The first one is that I'm really happy that you've put uh, digital Africa and creative Africa as the theme of this session and that you've put this together with women. I would add youth, because this speaks to two key ingredients of the economy of the 21st century. It's an economy where size matters less than ingenuity, creativity, innovation, and that you have everywhere in the world, and of course you have tons of this in the African continent. But it also speaks of a second uh, dimension of the economy of the 21st century, which is a more inclusive economy in order to give us the quality growth and the quality jobs that we're looking for. The second thing I would, uh, second point I'd like to make is that these two sectors, digital and creative, these are multi-trillion sectors. And uh, I, I don't want to abandon that because I think we've heard from Jean Philibert, but just 13% of international trading goods is today traded electronically. That's the size of the market we are talking about. So this, there is a lot of money to be made in these two sectors. Third point, what is, of course I'm not an economic actor, uh, and I'm neither European nor African, for the purposes of this discussion, of course. Um, but uh, what do I see, where do I see a huge intersection point between Europe and Africa in this space? First, this cannot be like the economy of the 20th century where you extract from the south and you enjoy in the north. There has to be about exploiting the complementarities that exist between Africa and Europe. It's co-design, it's co-develop, and it's co-enjoy the fruits of the work. And there are three areas for this intersection. We've heard from Cindy, so the first one and big one is financing. Because it's one thing to be ingenious and innovative. It's another thing to bring your innovation or ingenuity to market. Two is a skills development. It's in the form of, why not fashion schools? Why not innovation labs that are in the north as well as in the south? And the third one is about better leveraging the African market. And this is where I want to uh, make a, a shout out uh, for this big initiative that Africans are pushing, that in my view will be crucial to build the digital Africa and to build the creative Africa, which is the continental Africa and free trade agreement. Because of, of course, the moment Sindiso, uh, uh, who makes amazing clothes, can sell her clothes not just uh, in London, not just in Cape Town, but all across Africa, and the moment she can tie the amazing ingredients that make for uh, the fashion value chains in Africa, and she can do that without paying tariffs, and she can do that without facing the myriad of non-tariff barriers she faces today, then she has a much, she's in a much better position to then also leverage her relationship with Europe. So finance, skills, and regional integration that speaks for more integrated markets uh, as key ingredients to leverage uh, Europe and Africa's creative and digital markets. Mm. Thank you very much. Very, very sobering thoughts and also very realistic. I just wanted to follow up around just so how far are we in terms of policy action in Africa to recognize all of the things you've talked about? How, 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 how much are Smart Africa initiatives, how popular are they? I think, frankly speaking, I think the private sector is ahead of the curve. The private sector in Africa is developing, imagining, innovating like hell. 
And, uh, you, you know, you've just, you've just heard a little bit from these two ladies, but if you start digging and unpacking what these people are doing in innovation labs in Nairobi, what they are doing in Dakar, what they are doing in Kigali, you find amazing innovation. So business is moving very, very fast. The regulators are trying to uh, juggle because uh, it's still, they are still doing a bit of catch up. But I guess this happens to be everywhere, including in Europe. Uh, but uh, where I think uh, more efforts need to be played is into this regional dimension. Because if you do a regional regulation for digital markets, for example, uh, you are going to create the next frontier market mm -hmm. called Africa. Right. Okay, well, I promised you new and creative thoughts, and you've got them from our five wonderful panelists. I'm happy to take uh, questions and comments from yourselves. Uh, so please, can I have a show of hands to see who is interested in asking a question? Uh, yes, I see one hand, two hand, three. The light is... Uh, so three people already. The person at the back, I can't... Yes, please, go ahead. Please keep your hands up so we know exactly who you are. Yeah, yeah. Do you find the person? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my question is, my name is Albert, sorry. Uh, my question is more oriented towards uh, the tech industry, um, and there is one for the fashion industry. In terms of tech, how creative do you think uh, the African population is in terms of STEM research? Does it actually STEM? Does it actually uh, turn out to produce more innovators in terms of technology? Because there's research that's showing that STEM is ruining um, our uh, uh, academics and our actual engineers. Um, and then on the other hand, in terms of fashion, how is dumping affecting uh, fashion industry? So for example, dumping. China or uh, the United States dumping industry um, affecting fashion. Dumping textiles on African markets. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Tarek, here in front, please. Please keep your hand up, and then I'll go to the back. Yes, yeah, I'll come to you. Uh, my name is Tarek Mahmoud, and as a follow-up for the first session, there was a lot of talk about how to change the mindset in Africa, which I feel is incorrect because one of the main problems of Africa is the lack of investments in education, especially vocational and uh, uh, training Skills, yeah. and yeah. For, so for me how can really Europe be engaged in, in, in such important task? Right. Thank you very much for that question and there were two hands at the back. Yes. Can you take the lady over there and then there's a gentleman right at the back. Or yeah. Okay. Three hands. Quick questions. Three questions. Get. Yeah. Please. Hello, uh, my name is Lisa Bardo. I'm working for Platforma. And uh, it has been developed a bit in the previous session, but not really now. And I was wondering, uh, how do you see the role of like cities and uh, local authorities in the development of this digitalization project for development? Thank you very much. Excellent. And then uh, there were three hands that went, or two hands that went up. Keep your hands up, please. Yep. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I wanted to, uh, to, to just make this remark is that uh, Africa, in Africa, the, the, digital, um, the digital creative sector 
takes its own meaning in Africa for many, many, many different reasons. And that's why I was maybe linking it, to, I will link it to the, to the earlier panel to say that investing, not only investing in education, but investing in existing initiatives, in existing actors who are already busy doing things and reinforcing their capacities uh, to, to, to right. level up at a global level. Yeah. Africa needs that. Yeah. So not new plans, but do what is al help what is already there. Uh, to expand further. There was another hand that went up. Yes, okay, let's take a question from here, and that's it, I'll turn to the panel. Thanks, Saskia. Quick and, quick and short. Yeah. Uh, my name is uh, Elliot from MDC Zimbabwe. Uh, I recognize, uh, thank you very much, uh, the gig economy, I think it will play a big role in alleviating poverty in, in Africa. Uh, my question is with regard to EU-Africa partnership. Uh, uh, with regard to the infrastructure that is in place in funding, because my understanding is that your funding has always been through corrupt governments, and the money has <laughs> not, not trickled. It's <laughs> not trickled to the people who need it most, especially right. the young and the youth. Uh, who are actually coming up with very innovative ideas. Yes. So, Excellent. Thank you very much for those questions. Thank you very much for those questions, taking the debate further. Uh, I was wondering, would you like to start off, Jean-Philippe, with some of the questions that I think are quite relevant to your expertise? Please. Sure. I, I almost have a comment on every question. Um, Albert uh, linked the question of uh, investment into STEM and uh, creativity because basically you cannot um, develop a creative economy without enough investment into science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and design. Completely agree with, uh, with you, Albert. Uh, but to just tell you that this is something that our leadership is very much conscious about and a lot of effort is being done. If you come to Kigali, uh, you will find that there are a lot of new schools in all those domains getting built out, a lot of um, uh, centers of excellence, and though all of them are Pan-African, none of those schools or initiatives are just for Rwanda. So uh, we know that there is a lot of catch-up to be done, but the journey is on, and uh, it's an opportunity to invite anybody who is in that domain uh, who could be interested in coming and uh, talking to us. Uh, Smart Africa has a very solid network of uh, academia partners, and we give scholarships uh, to young, brilliant Africans to afford them uh, to pursue their studies in such kind of schools. Um, Tarek Mahmoud uh, talked about change of mindset and uh, lack of investment in education. How can Europe uh, be engaged? I think it's been said already. Uh, Africa is uh, ready for business. I think there are people's minds who switch to the philanthropic mode whenever working with Africa is concerned. I think that is part of the past. Uh, we've seen that philanthropy, although it has helped in certain situations, but solutions have not been able to scale and sustain. Only business, innovation, entrepreneurship can scale and sustain. And uh, we appeal to those who, with that kind of view, of Africa to come and, uh, and do business uh, in Africa. 
uh, role of, the, of, of cities and local um, communities in digitalization. One of the biggest flagship projects in Smart Africa is about smart cities and communities. In fact, the way Smart Africa is organized is uh, every country, every head of state who's committed takes a, a leadership area to drive in terms of thought leadership also leading by example. So uh, the Smart Cities happens to be uh, a leadership uh, or championship area of uh, President Paul Kagame, the president of Rwanda. So a lot is being done in Rwanda and across the continent in the areas of smart cities, where they will talk about mobilities, utilities, services to the people, services to uh, businesses, uh, where they will talk about safety and security. Uh, a lot is being done to really use uh, new technologies to overcome the challenges. And in the process, solutions are being created that can also serve in other places uh, in the world. He also talked about, you know, funding. I think everyone emphasized the funding. Um, so tech funding is coming together. The VC industry for tech solutions is coming. I'm not sure about uh, the um, creative industry, fashion industry, but I think people are just missing the point. They are just putting their money where their mouth is not. They should put money in Africa. And then I want to sort of bounce on the theme of today, which is what does Africa one from Europe. Many things, partnership of course, funding, but one thing in particular is we want also some calm and some respect in terms of not being the dumping ground uh, of, of some of the excess capacity, excess good, used clothes. We want to develop our own fashion industry. We have a market, but one of the biggest problems is we are facing you know, a certain segment of this market which wants to push uh, or to dump used clothes, and when we say no, we see, you know, issues, political, diplomatic issues coming just because we want to develop our own industry. Mm -hmm. So what we want is a bit of uh, space also to develop. Mm, thank you very much for making that point. Cindy, so... Cindy, so take that, take that point and run with it. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I absolutely agree with you about dumping. There's, so the irony is in um, Hackney, which is where I live, uh, there's a factory and it's called the Textile Recycling Factory. It's not really the Textile Recycling Factory. It's a factory where all the clothes in the charity shop get taken to that factory and dumped in Africa. It's not the, so I think this is the thing. And so it's like the whole of Europe is like, oh my God, I'm so good. I give things to a charity shop. But actually, fundamentally, you're dumping it in Africa. Um, I think it's also, we've got to think about, when we think about textile dumping, it's also like got to follow on to like, um, this report that Stella McCartney made about how we think about the textile industry in itself. And because we aren't dinosaurs, we're brand new, we can be really agile about how we think about creating a cyclic industry so that you don't end up with all of these clothes at the end of the life cycle, but it's actually like something that moves in a circle and so that all those fibers get put back into the industry again. And because there's, you know, like I'm saying, we are all sort of young entrepreneurs and we can think about things and, and put these in place into our companies from the very beginning um, where, you know, most bigger companies can't do that. So. Are you doing that? I'm trying to, yeah, definitely. Like, we, we, we recycle everything, all the, um, all the leftover cloth that we make, we recycle into new garments. And then also um, one of the sort of things I'm trying to look into is, like, the plastic thread that's now this big thing at the moment that um, G-Star was using. And so it's plastics from like water bottles and stuff being used as thread into like denims and whatnot. So, but, but because 
we're small businesses, we can think innovatively about how sustainable we're going to be with our work. Right, thank you very much. That is insightful indeed. So, Apolline, I was wondering if that kind of innovative uh, procedures are being developed in the textile industry. Are you behind that kind of initiative as well in your foundation? So we are for anything innovation, because again, we say, okay, if you look at innovation from proposing a solution to addressing a market needs, and also making sure that you work with the policymakers to allow the enabling environment for those uh, innovation to actually scale, uh, that's what we need in Africa. So, but going back also to some of the things that have been said here and the questions, I totally agree with uh, Jean-Philippe uh, with everyone, everything he has said. Perhaps some example I wanted to put on the table in terms of the initiative taking place in Africa. So, the, so in an area of STEM, uh, there's the African Academy of Science, for example, that works with different scientists across Africa to actually share knowledge, transfer knowledge, because one of the issues that Africa has had, and, and I have to actually slow down here and say, uh, we're all talking about Africa as if it's one country. So I, I want to clarify like different countries in Africa at different stages. And that um, calls for also understanding the need for you know, um, knowledge sharing. Because if you look at... Um, the, the report about innovation, research output, the North African countries are doing quite well. South Africa is doing quite well. You have other pockets where in terms of tech innovation, Kenya, Rwanda, they're leading. There's so much that can be actually learned among Africans and that's what those institutions such as uh, African Academy of Science is doing. Um, there is also Next Einstein Forum that uh, brings together the top scientists, Africans, wherever they are. And this is really important because uh, at the foundation, we also like to champion the role of the diaspora. Because, for example, here in Europe, you have a lot of Africans who uh, might be interested in coming back to support their countries or their, you know, different countries. And uh, including them in the discussions in terms of what would be the best way to engage with Africa, that could help as well. Because they have the know-how, they speak the language, most of them are actually searching how to go back and be relevant. And so building that pipeline to facilitate their the, the, uh, the contribution to their home countries or to their you know, mother continent, that could help. The other thing I wanted to add is uh, also the young people in Africa, they're not waiting for anyone. They use what they have. They, you know, the past was like, oh yeah, you have to dress very poorly so you can qualify if an NGO comes by because if you look like you could, you don't make more than two dollars, then you don't qualify. The young people right now, they're not doing that. They're actually trying to come up with solutions. And then if they get help, they can advance fast. If they don't, they continue to network. And that's where the digital um, movement is really helping Africa grow. And then the platform such is Innovation Prize for Africa, which really, the, you know, focus on showcasing the best African can create and help them scale. It also creates a role model. Like in the, she alluded to this, like, a, you know, one of the issues, some of the young people also, you know, are struggling. How can I believe that I can do it if I don't see someone like me who have walked the road. So we need those platforms to showcase that it can be done, has been done, and stop starting from zero, but 
kind of sharing knowledge and building on each other's strengths. So are, are governments um, working creatively with you or are you just, uh, are you actually working only with the private sector? We're working with both. Uh, so our prize is hosted by government. Uh, at the highest level of the government, most presidents attend the event and, right. and we have a different discussion. So our approach is a bioecosystem. So we want the academia, we want the civil society, we want policymakers, we want the, 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 the makers. And one thing that we are right now focusing on is really this whole concept of inclusive innovation. Because um, you have slums in any city, even including in developed countries. And what we have seen is actually the creativity is so huge in slums. But when people go there in mindset saying, I'm coming to help you, I'm bringing you something, rather than saying, okay, how are you surviving? How can I support you to go from what you're creating with nothing to actually giving the tools? We can take care of all those issues. So that's an area where we're looking at the whole, the true meaning of the bottom of the pyramid, the, the slums life the creativity there and how do you tap into this and, and give the same access to the young people growing up in this dense area with high potential. Indeed, very important. So in a sense, the last mile, as we talk about sometimes. Um, so, Latifa, I'm going to ask you uh, about your next ambition. What do you want to do next? What are you going to do next? You've got the prize, you've got the app, now what happens? Qu'est-ce que vous allez faire maintenant que vous avez déjà le prix? I'm continuous to develop uh, my, my app and I want to create uh, the réseautage, réseautage um, yeah, the network uh, in my country for the girls in ICT. Uh, I want uh, she uh, motives Yes. these girls uh, for the progress in the ICT and to create the solution of Africa, no in for Africa only uh, in the world or uh, uh, yeah, in the world yeah, yeah in, 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 in world and I convict my conviction is the um, the future is in the technology and the future is in the youth of Africa and in the youth of the world. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and you want to work with the broader community, not just in your country? Yeah, so I want to, the community, the, the network, uh, I want to create uh, progress and the, create the solution for Africa and the world. Okay, well, yeah. we wish you good luck and Arancha. I've kept you for last because you have a broad view of everything that's happening and you've heard the comments and Jean-Philibert has explained all the challenges we face but also all the opportunities that are opening up and you know things we don't always see, right? So, um, two, uh, two remarks uh, to what I've heard. One uh, on uh, dumping uh, textiles uh, into uh, African markets. I think there is two sides to this. One, of course, if people are dumping stuff into the African markets, African markets are free to react to this and respond to uh, illegal trade. But there is another side to this story, which is creating enough capacities in Africa also to respond to the growing demand in African markets. 
And that's where sometimes we see difficulties. And let me put this with very concrete example. East Africa has uh, banned imports of secondhand or used clothes and, sh and shoes, footwear, which I think is w wise, you know? Why not? If you want to develop your domestic industry for shoes and clothes, why not? The problem is, do you have an industry to produce clothes and shoes in East Africa that would be able to cater for the market. So we've been working with a lot of investors in East Africa, in particular in one country, Uganda. It has amazing amounts of leather. Traditionally, Uganda exports the leather and the value added is done elsewhere. With the help of an Indian investor, Uganda will start its factory producing 3,000 shoes a day come September. So if there are companies in this room that are interested in the producing or investing in Africa for footwear and clothing, please come and see me. Second example, what does, uh, to Tarek, uh, what does uh, vocational and technical training look like uh, in Africa? And how can Europe and Africa collaborate on this? Again, with a very concrete example in a country called the Gambia, where uh, we are working with a number of uh, uh, vocational training and technical institutions, in particular from Germany, to train 100,000 young men and women in the Gambia. We started with the two sectors of the economy where Gambia has a value add, agriculture, which I know is not very fashionable, but where it stands of uh, innovation uh, and uh, productivity to do, and second in tourism. But we soon realized that these are some of the sectors. We moved into solar panels and then into earth construction brinks to construct your houses with earth. So all of this requires to do two things. One, to think uh, in terms of where has the country value to add and to make sure that the country is not just the capital of the country. To make sure you go into the regions of the countries, mm -hmm. which is what we are doing with a number of German partners uh, with a lot of success. So just to give you some examples, all of this is not a pie in the sky, Shada. I guess what I'm trying to say is that all of this is a huge market that can be leveraged with a spirit of co, 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 stress co, development, co-creation, but also co-sharing. Thank you. I think with that very, very wise message from you, Arancha, we'll bring this uh, session to an end. We've, uh, I we talked about narratives, perceptions, mindsets, and I think you, as I said, pioneers in your sectors have really brought home to us the enormity of the changes that are taking place in Africa, which often here, uh, when we talk only to institutions, we miss, and we miss to our detriment, uh, and it's a big mistake. So thank you for bringing your enthusiasm, your energy, and your joie de vivre to this debate. We really, really appreciate everything you've said and also some very good messages for us to take home and reflect over as we go into the European Development Days, right? So please join me in thanking our panel. And uh, a quick break, short break, and then we're back to talk about the next topic, which is jobs and growth. <laughs>